When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi 
folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, uh, here to do the first of the positional reviews for the 2021 season. And the first one up is Inside Linebacker. And joining me for this one is my friend, Michael Crawford. Michael, always it's been too long since we last talked football, even though it's only been, what, about a month this time? Yeah, this time it's actually been a shorter period uh, since the last time than it normally is. So it's good to be back. Uh, I look forward to it, too. I always enjoy the conversation. I always make it go on way too long. But thanks for having me back again. We, we, we intend for these shows to take 30 minutes. And if this takes longer with Michael, we're going we're, we're gonna to understand because I love talking football with him. And as long as it goes, it, it goes. The inside linebacker position, of course, a really interesting one in terms of uh, tumultuous, uh, I would say, in terms of position switches and players being not available for various reasons. And we need to talk about all of it. But uh, let's stop at the uh, start at the very top with uh, Patrick Queen, uh, the presumptive starting Mike going into the season. Uh, it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, I think the position change um, and, and however you want to look at that. I mean, I know I've seen both perspectives on it like it's a complete and total change i've seen others like hey he's he's playing uh primarily at will not exclusively but primarily and that that's kind of where i land too but you have to start there uh in mm-hmm. discussion about his 2021 season and i think it became so clear like so crystal clear that he's just much more comfortable uh, at weak side backer right now um, yeah. than, than he was at Mike. You can dig into the reasons and the speculation for that, whether it's, um, you know, having the uh, sort of additional responsibilities of making calls and checks and getting other people lined up that you take on at the Mike spot. Not that you don't do that at will, too. I mean, mm-hmm. a good defense communicates everywhere, right? At every position, sure. everybody's communicating all the time. But, you know, it's about primary responsibilities. And the Mike is you know, is going to have that as a primary responsibility a little bit more uh, than the wheel. And so uh, does that factor into, you know, maybe why he had some hesitation, some um, sort of slowness to recognize things, uh, maybe not being in the right place all the time? Who knows? I mean, it's it, it, it's probably all like a like a pot of gumbo. It's all in there on some level. But clearly uh, reducing some of that and moving him to the weak side really, really freed him up to play uh, more naturally and more instinctively. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think he, he keyed off Bynes in a lot of way when, when uh, Josh showed up to be able to work off Bynes' reaction to make his selection as well. I thought that that worked very well. And, and he, honestly, in the beginning of the season, I saw a guy I don't think really wanted to play football. I mean, he looked like he was out there avoiding contact for a lot of the early part of the season. Uh, he made lots of mistakes in coverage, so that wasn't the, the issue. Um, if I had to diagnose this from the armchair, and it's a long way away, I'm not there in practice. I'm not, you know, a whole lot of things I'm not there to see exactly. But he looks like a, a decidedly unconfident young man right now in terms of, of what he knows about the game. And, and, and he, th- one of the things that, that is kind of can come up with a, with a young player like this, just like can come up with a young employee a, a lot of times, is he wants to, uh, the, the word I want to do is, is uh, whitewash certain behaviors um, by saying, I made this good play or I made this good play. And, and uh, Mike Linebacker, or either inside linebacker spot, his play is going to be defined by his consistency is how, how how much he's able to shed blocks, how consistent attacker he's going to be, how consistent he is in terms of his coverage responsibilities, how consistent he is in understanding on what's going on behind him. Yeah. 
Yeah, no question. I mean, that coverage part, that's that's still a, a, a pretty large work in progress. Um, yeah. you know, I think we, we saw him make strides in, in the run game at, at Will Linebacker. But but coverage, I mean, even to the extent in, you know, third down and long situations and really obvious passing situations, they're taking him off the field. So, yeah. I mean, I think they know that that's still a pretty big area of improvement for him. And it was really interesting, his comments, well, not, not so much his comments, but the comments from Wink, from Josh Bynes, you know, those guys closest to him um, about that transition. And as he started to make more plays, they both, uh, you know, use the exact same line. He's watching film now. He's watching more <laughs> film now. And I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> and so, uh, again, you know, we're reading between the lines, speaking through keyholes, all of that kind of thing, because we're not there. But I just couldn't help but take that and combine that with what you were seeing on tape and you know i think there's a minimum amount of film watching those guys are doing during the week right the coaches are pulling together you know plays and cut-ups of things like a minimum amount that you're going to be in the building and you're going to be watching because that's your job but we know to be good to great you have to do more than that it can't yes. be what the coaches give you you have to do more on your own and it's an, it's, it's more even than just uh watching film it's how you watch it it's study you know Peyton manning's talking about like that it's not like watching a movie Right. You're sitting there staring at the screen <laughs> if you don't have uh, a notepad and you're not taking notes, you know, whether that's manually or digitally, however you do it. Then he's like, you're not learning. You're just watching. And so, you know, I think all of those things might be at play a little bit here. And again, I can wax poetic and, and speculate all day long. I don't know anything, but that's mm-hmm. my my two cents on that. Yeah, no, I, 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 and I don't want to beat on the guy. I especially don't want to beat on the guy on a show where we want to talk about a several players and really make sure we get through this group and some of the philosophical choices they need to make. But I, I'm going to, I'm going to set this up in one way. I've asked another one of my partners this on, on a show is if it, you're sending Patrick Queen into this offseason and you're John Harbaugh, you're whoever is having the discussion with him, the exit discussion for this year, and you ask him, look, you need positional training of some sort. But I, I would like you to focus primarily on one of four things. And if your four things are being a better tackler, being a better form tackler, that's number one. Number two is being a better block shedder. Number three is be, no understanding coverage assignments that go downhill and being a quicker recognition in pass defense player, meaning that running back doesn't get way outside before you take your first step to react to his, his route. And, and number four is understanding more about what's going on before, behind you so you can read the quarterback better and try and impact passing lanes. If you have those four things, which do you ask him to do if you can only have one? All four. No, but seriously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's all four. But if I, yeah, if I have to choose between those four, and really, it's it, it for me, it narrows down to really the first two, really, even more mm-hmm. so than the last two, although they're important. Uh, but I go with tackling. I go with number one. Um, everything that you said there is important. So I just want to start with that. You'd love, you'd love to see him do all those things, but ultimately, you know, defense, you have, you have several jobs, but your primary job is to tackle the ball, right? It's to tackle the ball carry and stop the ball carry. So I'm probably always going to start there out of that group, out of those choices that you gave me. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen some improvements in that area as the season went on. It was pretty rough to start, but then we also saw some regression uh, in the later part of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Like he had gotten a little bit better for, for a couple of games, and then it looked, you know, the last maybe game or two, maybe even three, 
looked a little bit more like the early part of the season. So, uh, yeah, that would be the one for me. One of the things that's kind of frustrating about missed tackle statistics is they differ tremendously by service. So if you look at pro football reference, they show Queen is improving this season in terms of missed tackle rate from about 16.5% last year, which is absurdly high, by the way, for an inside linebacker, to 12.5% in 2021. Still too high. Uh, if he cut it to half that, he'd be in good shape. But, uh, but it's... Uh, you know, it, it, it is a, a huge weakness. When you look at the number of plays that impacts, uh, I think it's important. And I think the Ravens, one of the things they can do is use substitution to get them out on the most dangerous passing downs that tar- the quarterbacks can just exploit him when he's on the field. So it, 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 I, I would agree with you that I think it's one of the first two. It's either shedding blocks or it's tackling. And I think I'd agree with you that I think it's probably tackling that he needs to do better. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to give the impression that I'm down on Queen because I'm not. Um, you know, I, we did – it was myself, uh, Coach Ivan Evans, as I, I know you mm-hmm. know Coach Evans. He's been on your show a couple times. Another buddy of mine, Denard Melton, um, we did a Queen breakdown after, like, I think it was the first six games, first six or seven games. Um, and we all are really high on him. Like, we're high on him coming into the draft, are still high on him, you know, into these first two years of his career. But – you know, it was more just about we're high because we see the promise, right? We see what can happen because he shows you that. You see the flash plays. You yes. see the flash plays. So you know it can be done. But like you said, the key word, it's consistency. Consistency, consistency, consistency. That's where it's at. That's what it's got to be. His coaches have talked about it, whether it's Wink, whether it's uh, Rob Ryan, even Josh Bynes. But everybody says he's also so young. You know, they, they always like to throw that in there. And he is. He is really young, not just in terms of age, but young at the position in terms of experience. Because it's not like he played a ton at LSU as a starter. Well, I mean, that that's true. But those excuses no longer should matter to the Baltimore Ravens. And and the reason is they only, only have Queen for four years plus a fifth-year option. In fact, after this next season, they're going to have to decide if they want to pick up that fifth-year option. And I think the answer may very well be no. As it stands right now, he's going to need to take a a substantial step forward this next year for them to want to pay the kind of money they'll have to pay in year five to keep him. So it's it regardless of what Queen's excuses are for his current state of play, it needs to improve dramatically. And I hope Queen will take this offseason and be a football junkie in the most important sense, not not a workout junkie. I don't want to see workout videos of this guy, you know, lifting weights and squatting and, you know, running and do I know we can do all those things. You know, I'm not, I'm not concerned about those things. I'm concerned about positional coaching. I'm concerned about the low uh, intensity workouts that build muscle memory. He can get with a, a guru of his, an inside linebacker. You know, it, what would be a cool thing is if Josh Bynes, who I think will be an NFL coach someday, at least he, he gives those indications in terms of his, his on-field demeanor, his way to, to, to uh, herd cats sometimes inside a linebacker. But I think, he, I think one thing you could do is have him have those guys working together um, this offseason and tell Bynes, hey, th- this is your job interview for being a, being a coach in the future for the Ravens. We want you for as long as you can play, but hey, this would really show us that you'd be a great guy for that. Yeah, unfortunately, we're going to see the workout videos. You know how that goes. Yes. Uh, but I think that he also probably will get uh, together with somebody to work on kind of more of that position-specific training. It, it, it seems almost like all of these guys do that now at, at every position, right? You do see those videos, and you do hear about those things are working out with this um, 
this specialist or this consultant. So I would not be surprised if he's doing that. If he, I wouldn't be surprised if he's already done it, um, because I think all of these guys probably look to do that to some extent. Because the CBA has reduced how much time, yes. uh, most, the most current version of the CBA, uh, how much time that coaches can have with these guys in the offseason uh, to, to nothing, essentially. So uh, you got to go get that training somewhere else. Yeah, you you got to get that. And, and we saw Patrick Queen is not a special teams player. So this is one of the interesting things about going to camp is they have a 20-minute special team session early on to do as much as they can in terms of their space. And he's sitting over there on a tackling donut or you know leaning over on a tackling donut with, with Rob Ryan. Now, I would love for that to be a really intensive, you know, moving around, you know, set your hips differently. You know, I, I'm this guy. I'm bring over an assistant, you know, one of those coaching interns or two that they have coaching fellows. I think they call them um, and have him do certain things that, that Rob Ryan will show Queen and, and try and get him to understand what movement he's looking for. I, I, I just didn't see that happening. I saw a guy who who frankly did not appear to have the desire to work at the positional craft as much as as was available to him. I mean, he should have been a sponge there. You saw the outside linebackers, the way they react to having Justin Houston in camp. I want that. You know, that's what I want for Patrick Queen. Yeah. Unfortunately, to start the season, he didn't have anybody in his group, I guess, outside of LJ Fort. Uh, that he could be that sponge outside of. But again, I'm not making any excuse for the guy because I think yeah. um, it's you've been in training camp way more than me. The last time I uh, went there has been a couple of years. But this guy always stuck out in my mind, Brandon Carr. Whenever I saw Brandon Carr, he was always doing the little things, those little breadcrumbs. Like even when they were just doing like warm up jogging, he's, you know, and they're just kind of jogging up and down. He's doing like little transition backpedals in the middle of the jogging, like working on footwork. And even when he wasn't in a drill and other guys were out there doing things, he's mimicking it on the sideline or he's thinking about, okay, I need to probably position it this way. Or he's talking to a younger player like, hey, see what they did? You want to do it like this. Watch, do it like this. So he just those breadcrumbs of the little things, the attention, the detail things that really lead to success. Yeah, I'd love to see those things from from Queen or at least hear about them since I'm not going to be there. <laughs> right. Well, that's a, that's a that's an example of a D NFL athlete making himself into a B NFL player or a B minus NFL player in Cars case maybe and, but you can be an a athlete like queen and turn yourself into a c minus player as well it's, it's perfectly easy to do and unfortunately you know the guy he had and the guy who was supposed to i think provide him with this coaching and it looked like it was starting to happen at the beginning of camp i wrote a glowing review of it and then i didn't i saw it completely wear down as time moved on it's rob ryan i mean rob ryan was there basically to take over coaching patrick queen he was the one who needed it and, you know, it's not like the group itself had had, a, had broader needs than that to grow. But anyway, well, I'd like to move on from Queen. Just, Go ahead. just to tie a bow on that, since you yeah. saw that and you saw that decline, yeah. just your impression, was it Queen's disinterest? I mean, was Ryan still trying to coach him up at that same level? What What do you think changed? I can't I can't tag it to either Queen's disinterest or or Ryan's frustration or perhaps some blow up that happened between the two of them. I, I can't tag it to any one of those things. But Ryan was not coaching him as intensely as the as camp rolled on. And it's not like Queen knows it all. So that ain't it. Uh, so he may have been frustrated with Queen not learning from what he did. I, you know, there a lot of, a lot of things are possible in terms of how that broke down. Uh, and maybe he just needs a different mentor. Maybe a different mentor can get through it to him. Maybe a player is more relatable. Maybe, you know, maybe a lot of things, but right. I think we better move on here. <laughs> we don't want to make this all a Patrick queen, you know, event. Uh, Josh Bynes, uh, 
for the second time in three seasons, comes in to save the Ravens' defense in a lot of ways at inside linebacker. Uh, he improved two positions as soon as he did because the weak side spot improved as well. Reminds me a lot of his arrival in 2019 along with LJ Ford in that they, uh, those two players turned around a bankrupt inside linebacker group where they had overstretched three players who were a good weak side linebacker platoon into playing both the Mike and the Will spot. Yeah, with, with Josh Bynes, you know, when you talked about Patrick, we talked about needing to see more consistency. Consistency is what you see with Josh Bynes. <laughs> consistency and stability is what he brings whenever he's back with the team. Uh, just his experience, his football intelligence, he still has, you know, uh, enough ability uh, to, to make certain plays out there. So that's not like a, a, a complete non-existent factor anymore in his game. Obviously, he's not the athlete the Queen is, but it's a good example of how somebody who has a faster processor oh, and, yeah. and is more disciplined in terms of what they're reading can get to and make a play that a more athletic guy can't. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Much more play speed. Than, than Queen. I mean, even at, at his at his at their normal levels, I say Queen can 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 put on a play or two where he's just un, unbeatably fast when he makes a decision kind of in advance of the play. Oftentimes, Bynes very quick processor. He ran a four eighty one forty a decade ago. He's not that fast now. We can, I can tell you that much. <laughs> so so uh, what he does on a football field is really amazing for his level of athletic talent. And I love the Raven for life mentality we heard from him on his exit speech this time says you're gonna to have to kick me out of this building effectively and i mean i'm paraphrasing slightly but um i i'm of the opinion that it could be 2029 in detroit and uh, the, the the name josh vines is going to be like kaiser soze to other inside linebackers who need a scaring you need to be scared straight you need to be scared into working harder and, and so in 2029 in detroit some assistant coach is going to say look I, you're obviously not cutting it as you're currently playing. And that telephone's right over there. I can pick it up and call Josh Bynes and he could be here tomorrow <laughs> and Josh play as well as you are. Josh Bynes may be that assistant coach in 2029. Yeah, he may be. He may be. When you listen to him speak at pressers, he talks like a coach. He sounds like a coach the way that he talks about the game. So uh, I, I hope that um, he's back in some capacity. I won't necessarily say whether that's on field. I, I don't know that right now. I think we're still pretty early in the offseason process. Uh, but even if that is in, you know, I don't know if he wants to go from playing and jump right into coaching. I mean, some guys do that. but A lot of guys want to kind of explore some other opportunities. But if it's some kind of consultant role, maybe something along the lines of what, um, uh, what's his name? Josh Zach Orr. Zach Orr did years ago. Okay, sure. Maybe something like that to initially get started. I, I'd love it. I'd love it. So I don't, I don't know what the future holds for him with, with the team. Um, like I said, I think we're still pretty early in that process, but uh, I think that there's still value. I think he still provides value. Um, yeah. You just got to find a way to extract that value. Right. I, I, and I, there, sh it should be that there are a number of athletes who can bring you what Bynes does on the field. It's remarkable how few of them are actually available to the Baltimore Ravens because, you know, it's, he's the guy they keep calling. So, Anyway, <laughs> anyway, it's a, a, they'll have LJ Fort back next year. Maybe he'll he'll take a, a slightly different role, and and he'll both of them are getting a little older. So at some point they've they've you know they're going to have to say goodbye to both of them. Bynes has incredibly played well in both of these years, twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one, with the Ravens, where he had a sandwich year was pretty pretty down darn bad with the Bengals. 
Mm-hmm. And I was, I, at first I was very upset that they let him go after 2019. I'm like, there's no reason for this. You, you, you're, you're giving up all you have in terms of backup capability with your two down backer to let Bynes go. And it didn't make sense to me anyway. Yeah. And you can see, he just knows this scheme, this system. He knows it like the back mm-hmm. of his hand, the comfort level uh, that he brings each time they kind of bring him back. It's like, I mean, the first time, right, in 2019, he was literally coming off the street, right, and played in that Pittsburgh game. I, I think he they had a couple practices that week, and then he's in the yeah. game. So, uh, you know. He made an interception in that game on, on a, one of these really, like, uh, sorceress move to a spot for the overthrow plays. Yeah, so, so you, really, you, yeah. you can clearly see – his knowledge of the game itself, obviously, and then their their system particularly. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thankful, grateful <laughs> that he was there and, and available for them again this year. All right, let's move on. The, the third round draft pick in 2020, Malik Harrison, very difficult year, obviously. Um, wasn't playing probably as much as he wanted for the first seven weeks. And then it got really bad. After week seven, he only played one snap on defense the remainder of the season, did remain around on special teams. Obviously, the incident in Cleveland did not help in terms of of what was going on. He was mentioned several times by Harbaugh down the stretch as being a possible replacement outside linebacker, where the Ravens, in a couple of games, or at least one, had only three outside linebackers available. Yeah, so you got to think that there's more to the story here with that. When you had needs at outside linebacker for COVID replacement, you had needs at inside linebacker in, in games uh, due to COVID replacements, and he couldn't get any of those snaps, only special team snaps at that point. So there's definitely got to be more to that story. But if you if you look back at the early part of the season when he was playing a little bit, well, not a little bit, he was getting defensive snaps because he didn't get any uh, after that, that Cleveland incident, um, you, you saw some of the similar things that we talked about with Josh Bynes. You definitely saw the inconsistency um, you definitely saw, I think, some undisciplined kind of plays just in terms of reading his keys and really uh, being focused on what he was supposed to look at and then, um, you know, react accordingly based on what that key did, whether that's a tackle, a guard, a back, whatever. And it's almost like, no, nope, I'm just going to go and do what I want. Right. I think this is happening. I'm going to go look over here and you're just not going to be consistent that way. Um, you're you're going to flash and make a play here or there because you're going to guess right. But. Uh, more often than not, you, you think about teams like the Chiefs, they're going to have you in a blender. You know, you're going to be right. spinning around and <laughs> doing all kinds of things. So um, that was a little disappointing for me early on. And I was hoping that as the season went on, he'd get an opportunity to, you know, keep trying to improve in those areas with more snaps and, and you know, practice and coaching and stuff like that. And then, you know, he gets shot in Cleveland and, and then it became special teams only once he got back and, you know, healthy enough to get back on the field. So I don't really know where they're at with him at this point. Yeah. I, I, Harrison's 2021 is very similar to me to Tyson Williams in a way. Um, both of them very talented players in positions where the Ravens had very clear need during the season and none of neither of them could get playing time. Yeah. And, you know, Tyson Williams after week seven, I think it's the same game. In fact, uh, had some ridiculously low number of total, I think it's 22 offensive snaps, and he might only had two touches uh, during those last 10 weeks. So very similar to Harrison in that respect. And, and uh, you know, Harbaugh is kind of known for, for, you know, not tolerating certain behaviors in players. With Tyson fumbling might have been the issue. Uh, it might have been how he reacted in terms of what he might have said or how what he said to John after fumbling that he didn't like. He might have not liked the lack of eye contact. It could have been a lot of things. With Harrison, you know, 
I don't want to go too deep into this, honestly. It's, I, I, I'm, I don't have firsthand knowledge of any of this. All I'll say is, however he got in a position that he was shot in Cleveland, he's responsible for every outcome on that decision tree, and all players are. So don't take your off-field um, situation uh, as you can go anywhere you want, do anything you want. And what, that can mean you know, exposing yourself to COVID in today's world, obviously, exposing yourself to, to friends who aren't right. I mean, have a talk with Ray Lewis over, over that kind of situation. I mean, seriously, this, this was however it occurred. And I really I, I don't want to get into the details. I don't want to speculate on the details. He's responsible for every outcome on that decision tree. Yeah. I agree with that. I think you said it as well as it can be said. And, you know, in terms of the on field part, I think, you know, we, we remember back to, to last year, you know, I think that Titans playoff game mm-hmm. and a game where you know that your sort of job number one on defense is going to be defending the run and trying to contain Derrick Henry. And that game was like tailor made for his play style because he's a physical dude. And so, you know, he played well in that game. And I think that's kind of the role that people sort of envision for him, you know, moving forward, that he's going to be that physical kind of inside presence that inside backer, a thumper, you know, and uh, I think that there still are, um, you know, opportunities for that in today's NFL, not, not as much as there probably used to be, but there's still going to be games. There's still going to be opponents um, you know, where, where you know, there's a role for a guy like him. And I don't think he's limited to that either. I think we've seen him mm-hmm. do a little bit of, of dropping into coverage and have a little bit of a feel for that. Not not as much early part of this year, maybe a little bit last year. <laughs> we saw some better examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the tools are still there. I think he's got a toolbox where there's still some physical, you know, ability and, and athleticism that you can work with. But again, just because of what you, you know, really kind of laid out, I just don't know where they're at with him. Um, you know, mentally, like what, what's our relationship? You know, what, right. where are we at right now? The, the good news is any, any kind of bad position he's in with a coaching staff, dog housing, if you want to call it that, has a time limit on it. And, and players like uh, him and Tyson, they're kept around because the organization really feels they still have value and they'll be right next year. The good news is if, if his behavior was so bad, it's kept him off the field in 2021, in both cases, then the the reason he's on the team is a great indicator. The team really believes in him from a talent perspective going forward. Cause otherwise they cut the guy. I mean, Tim Williams, theoretically talented player, terrible attitude and work ethic. And they cut him. I mean, it just got to be more than more than what it was worth in in, in terms of the future. Um, It will be more of an issue for uh, Harrison in year three, if he doesn't take a real step forward as a player that if, if other negative behaviors would continue that, that he might be out. Yeah, absolutely. You've heard coaches uh, sort of use the quip before that, you know, uh, talent is like proportional to tolerance. You know, <laughs> the more talented you are, the more yeah. we'll tolerate certain kind of behavior. But when that equation starts to go the opposite way, then there's going to be less tolerance uh, for yeah. some of the some of the behavior stuff. And again, I, I, I'm using behavior and I probably shouldn't be using that word. I don't know anything. But right. just in terms of, yeah, uh, like you said, going into year three, we're going to need to see more on the field, more consistent performance on the field to, to justify you still being here. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, another guy who got a significant amount of playing time this year and a little bit surprising maybe to some people is Christian Welch, thought to be really a special teams only performer to start the year, a backup. I think people would say a two down thumper. I do want to talk about the Ravens special specialists here, but liked what I saw from Welch in very limited duty this year. He played a few less snaps than Harrison did for the year, if I recall correctly. Let's see if I have his total snaps here. 
Uh, yeah, I have him for 34 plays the whole season. And Harrison had more than that, of course. Harrison had about 170 non-penalty snaps, so about a fifth as much. But was one of the interesting things that late in the year, Welch is spelling binds for a series or two in some games, and we're not seeing Harrison on the field. Yeah, yeah. And that goes, you know, back to that discussion we just had about Harrison. But for Welch, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Welch guy because I'm a special teams guy. And so I watch all of these guys as they come in uh, to the league and onto the team as rookies and get chances to play on special teams. And um, I just, you know, look for, the, again, those little breadcrumbs of things that you see them do, techniques, athletic ability that you think can actually translate um you know, to a positional role on offense or defense. And, you know, I saw that with Welch. I said, hey, this is a guy who I think has a pretty solid processor. Uh, I think he's pretty good at reading, particularly in the run game. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he's pretty good at kind of reading blocks and reading concepts. And uh, the one thing that I did like, and I think he showed it a little bit in the preseason. Now, (laughs) what was funny about it was there's part of it that I liked, and there's the other part that I'm like, oh, that might not be such a great sign, is that I think because of that, that processing ability, he could see plays and he could shoot gaps. He, he could see a run through opportunity. And he's like, okay, I can go make this play, right? I see the concept. I see the blocking scheme. I know where the ball is going. I'm going to hit this gap and go make that play. And he hits the gap and he's in the backfield, but then he can't physically make the play. <laughs> and so, like, he had the mental part of it, which is good. That's a good sign. But then do you have enough, you know, there's that baseline sort of level, that baseline NFL athletic ability. Right. That you got to have. And then, you know, there's everything above that. So do you do you have at least that to be able to make that play? It's great that you can see it, but can you make it? And, you know, I I don't want to say he can't. I think there's still, you know, too much of a small sample size and it's still early enough in his development to to leave that as an open ended question. But I was happy to see that ability to see things and at least position himself to make the play. But you're, you're bringing up a key point because I don't think there's room for pure special teams players in the NFL and certainly on the Baltimore Ravens who have a very deep defensive and offensive units to be pure special teams players. So I think Welch's length of career in the NFL will be largely determined by how he develops as a defensive player while maintaining his core special teams value. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that you see around in year five or year six or, or maybe even in year four because he's on the bubble as soon as that uh you know, camp starts, of course, um, he, he, you might not see him, uh, you know, at that point, if he can't also play defensively and contribute something there. And I think it's good that he got on the field this year. Um, he should look to try and get a few more staffs next year um, on defense, become a specialist at something. If it's a two down thumper, there's room on the Baltimore Ravens who really like to play specialist inside linebacker play. Uh, I think it makes a lot more sense relative to having a three-down unicorn. I've been on record a lot of times before that, that um, having platoons at, at one position, I would say, is a must. At two positions is probably better than not. Ravens are in the good situation. They have Chuck Clark with the green dot. They can do whatever they want in terms of those inside linebacker spots and having them be linebackers or safeties to fit down in distance and opposing personnel. Yeah, and, and you, you talk about him kind of being in that two-down thumper role and the opportunity for him on this team you know, with that role. Look, those guys, they're all in a room together. I think they all kind of you know tend to be positive in terms of supporting each other. They work out together. They practice. But he's got to look at that opportunity with Harrison not getting those snaps. Hey, this is the crack in the door for me. And when I get these opportunities, I got to make the most of them when I'm out there on the field because I can do that role. 
right? If they're looking at him for that role and for whatever reason, I'm not going to get into the relationship. Uh, they're not giving him those opportunities. That's my opportunity to step in there and take those. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I could see a scenario if, if, you know, whatever the relationship is with Harrison doesn't improve. And if we don't see the continued on field development as well, uh, you could see maybe Welch kind of taking over that role uh, at least a little bit more while they're both still on the team. So um, I'm not trying to make this guy out to be the second coming of, of Bart Scott or, or any, you know, guy who kind of worked his way up from the practice squad and became, yeah. you know, a regular everyday player. But uh, I, I do think that there's some things to, uh, to be optimistic about with him moving forward. UDFA linebackers, the Ravens grow them. So Joe Thomas, I don't think we're going to spend any time on 15 snaps, practice squad player. He could, he could be back again next year on the practice squad. It's not out of the question. Uh, I don't think he fits into the Ravens' long-term plans. Uh, and and if he did, it would it would be something we'd learn next camp, next uh, uh, next preseason if he plays exceptionally well. Uh, I did want to talk about the likelihood that the Ravens will play more quarter next year because I think that that is an organizational shift we may see. It looks like the Ravens have picked up. Um, the additional safety talent, and I, I'm saying this hoping that Tony Jefferson is going to be back next year, uh, that they could have five safeties on the roster to make four. Obviously, if you have – okay, you, you know you know the theory behind this, but I'm explaining this to the viewers, listeners, of course. Um, if you have four uh, safeties – and you, you want to play the dime defense with three safeties, that's fairly optimal. You want to have one extra so when one gets hurt, you have people understand your defense and whatnot. If you want to play a lot of quarter and you want to play it with four safeties and three corners, you really need to have five safeties on the roster. And you need to have five that you can play on defense, which means, unfortunately, the Anthony Levine is probably out of a spot for 2022. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, of course, that's that's a bummer for all of us that are a fan of his. And, you know, I, I know that, that you are and, and yes. I know that you can you can think about even specific plays just going back like a couple of seasons ago where he was in, you know, playing more uh, regularly defensively and making plays, not just out there, but like making mm-hmm. plays to end games, to close games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that's it's it's a bummer. But, that, you know, that's that's how it goes um, in, in professional sports in the NFL. You know, father time is undefeated. We all understand that. Um but yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting um, decision. And I think the other thing, and I don't know how much I want to derail us. I probably shouldn't with this, but uh, it all it, it assumes that Wink is going to be here. You know, yeah. that's a that's a big factor in this. And I and I'm not saying that uh, I'm not posing that as a question because I think that there's you know, anything that, that John Harbaugh is unhappy with, but just that, you know, every, every NFL, you know, head coaching cycle, there, there are going to be opportunities. And so, you know, you don't, you don't know if he's maybe going to get a job and then that kind of takes the decision um, out of your hand. There's no decision to be made. You know, he's going to go and accept that job. And then it's about who do you, who do you replace him with? You go in house, do you go outside or whatever, but assuming he's back and they're under the same structure. Um, yeah. could be interesting to see what they do there because if they follow the same pattern they did this year, with taking Patrick queen off the field in those situations. Uh, then yeah, you probably will want to have a little bit more quarter and have the personnel to do that. Well, the, the interesting thing is uh, passing guys, they had Chris Board. If we didn't mention Chris Board, we have to talk about him for a second. But but there's a guy who's a special teams player who plays a third down hybrid, you want to call it safety linebacker role. But he's, he's essentially playing the lone inside linebacker in those situations. Did provide a little bit as a pass rusher. But honestly, I, I, he's overpaid in, in his RFA year. They gave him, a, a, you know, a, an RFA tender. 
Um, any any future contract he's got for the Ravens, I would think, has got to be at the Levine type level, where he's got you know a, a, a bonus that awards him for being an outstanding special teams player, probably a two year contract, um, and, and you know four to six hundred thousand of extra money above the vet minimum as a as a signing bonus. I don't think he's going to be the kind of player that they're going to be happy to pay what they did this year, which I think was somewhere like three million dollars they paid him this year. So it was a, it was a lot of money. I will I'll get that number for you because I can't believe we missed Chris Board there. I'm sorry for doing that to us. Yeah, you called him. You called him at the end. I, I appreciate your your doing that. Actually, in 2021, according to this, he signed for less and got made only 1.183 million. So apparently, they they must have decided they were going to cut him if they didn't if they didn't get his RFA tender reduced. So it was there was a 500,000 prorated bonus as well that went with that. So he made 1.683 million. For the year, so still more than I would think he would make next year relative to the vet minimum. I don't think he'll be half million over the vet minimum. I think he'll be more like uh, three hundred thousand uh, average annual value per year over the vet minimum, maybe over a two year deal. Yeah, and you know, I actually thought coming into twenty twenty one, coming off of uh, twenty twenty, especially towards the end of the regular season in mm-hmm. twenty twenty, and this can show you how things can kind of get skewed because they were playing teams like the you know the Giants and the Bengals, not not this version, this year's version of the Bengals, but last year's version of the Bengals and the Jaguars, and they had leads in those games, and there's a lot of pass coverage, you know, pass defense personnel on the field, and he's in those packages, and they're running pressures, and he's, you know, getting involved in some of that. I'm thinking, okay, maybe this role is really going to work out. Maybe he's going to, you know, take another step moving forward into 2021, and I didn't really see that this year. Yeah, I me either. It's almost like a step back from from that um, for, for whatever reason. So, uh, like you said, obviously, core special teamer, you could certainly see him probably taking over that captain's role um, from Anthony Levine, if they, you know, if they decided to retain him and com- could work something out contractually, you know, that's, that's reasonable. Um, but beyond that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't know that that, that hybrid linebacker safety role that I thought had some, that he showed some promise in, I, I don't know if that same promise is, is still there. Well, I, I don't know if that, if that position is going to exist with the Baltimore Ravens. I'd say if you play quarter, you don't, you don't need any inside linebackers on the field. And, and the 2018 team, when they did that, um, was better. I mean, they 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 did these extreme packages with Wink in certain games. I know you know it's Buffalo and Seattle. It was a couple of, of, of specific games under specific conditions, and there the other teams had no answer for it. I mean, the results were just ridiculous in terms of the limited number of plays with five outside linebackers on the field, for example, and a dime defense, and other times when they had quarter on the field. I just I see the Ravens moving back to that. I see a a unwillingness to have the one guy that quarterback will find on the field. And that'll be your, your inside linebacker who isn't really that great in coverage, but it's the best you got there. Yeah. That's, that'll be the guy they find. The other thing they could do next year, um, provided he's healthy. I mean, this is obviously a serious fear is, is how Bowser stand up off the line of scrimmage more in these multiple OLB packages, which provides you with more of that, uh, coverage flexibility from one of your front, front, uh, front four four slash five guys which they've done with him before where you know he'll he'll sort of line up out there and then he drops so he's basically playing as a coverage player um in those situations and and 
we've said it for years, among the linebacking group inside or outside, uh, he's your best coverage guy yep. uh, in, in that group. And so, you know, even with Tony Jefferson this year, and, and look, I think I got to caveat this because the guy hadn't played in, what, two years? You know, something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> and so I know I saw a couple of tweets of people, you know, about him, uh, you know, Friar Move catching that pass on him. And even he was mm-hmm. a little hard on himself on Twitter saying, hey, we're in two, man. That's my play. I got to make that play. Uh, and I think that's the thing that you love about Tony Jefferson is just the mm-hmm. energy that that guy brought. And I saw you saw it as soon as he was back in that Bengals game. And, you know, even when that game got out of hand, this guy is still laying it all on the line. He's Flying just, around the field. He's just happy to be out there. And like in the presser, you really could 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 get an understanding of that positive energy because, you know, people are asking questions and, you know, the tone is kind of negative. And they're like, well, they're throwing the ball and you've been in the league a long time and they've got this lead, but then they're going to throw the ball 40 yards downfield. You know, how do you feel about that? He's like, I feel like we can get an interception. I feel like any time that they're going to throw the ball, that's an opportunity for us to take away. So, yeah, I'm not mad about it. I'm, I'm looking to make a play. Now, whether that's true or not, that mentality, I love. I love that energy that he brings. I, I, I love it, too. And I think it, it, it's very relatable to his teammates. And uh, he'd be a good choice, too, to be the special teams captain, particularly if he needs something to make a choice between two teams of the same offer. I think he'd love to play in Baltimore because I think he knows how, how much he'd be valued in this defense. But I don't think it's unreasonable that he'd be the special teams captain if he came back, too. I, I think he'd be, he'd be good and, and, and that energy would translate well. Yep, absolutely. Michael, such a pleasure to talk football with you. And we got to cut this off. I feel like we could we could go on easily another 45 minutes on this particular topic because we're both very hot on it, obviously. And we have to kind of contain ourselves and not talk endlessly about certain players. But really appreciate having you on. Always a pleasure to talk football with you. Tell folks where they can get in touch with you. Oh, well, number one, just thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Um, it's hard to stop. Uh, but yeah, at Abukari on Twitter, that's uh, A-B-U-K-A-R-I. You can also uh, catch me uh, on the Deep Cover Pod with uh, Chris Aguilera, Kerry Stevenson, and the Fire Zone Show with Denard Melton. All that stuff's on YouTube. All the pods are on any platform where you listen to your podcast, so Apple, Spotify, wherever. Um, just Google the names or hit me up on Twitter if you can't remember the names, and I'll give them to you. <laughs> All right. Outstanding, Michael. Uh, other folks, I'm looking for people who want to do film study shorts again this off season. So if you have a topic you're passionate about, I want to hear from you. Send me DMs. They're open on Twitter and we'll talk about getting you on a pod as quickly as we can. Uh, content is gold and, and we love to, to, to talk to people about really anything that they're excited about. So we have very much a soapbox uh, ability to, uh, you know, open mic, I, I guess I should call it, in terms of letting people come on, uh, talk about the, the, the topics they're passionate about. I'll, I will look to avoid duplication, but there's some natural duplication overlap no matter what. So don't be afraid if you've, if you've heard the topic on recently. Uh, Michael, thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.